An Eye for an Eye podcast contains subject matters that many may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. This is a very law-abiding county. We don't have this kind of thing here. By all accounts, the 23-year-old seemed to be a typical middle-class married couple set to succeed in anything they wanted to do in life. After all, Benjamin was a former Navy SEAL who was number one in his class. There's one thing about Ben that rings true when you look at his life, and that's that whatever Ben put his mind to, Today's episode is brought to you by True Crime Magazine. True Crime Magazine partnered up with our show, Eye for an Eye, to give our listeners exclusive access to their magazine. With code Eye for Eye, E-Y-E-F-O-R-E-Y-E, you can get 40% off your first purchase. What is True Crime Mag? True Crime Mag is an e-magazine and it's the world's leading publication dedicated to true crime, serial killers, and the criminal mind. So basically everything we're obsessed with. It publishes concise, exclusive articles based on original research, presenting new discoveries and fresh interpretations by amazing expert authors such as Michael Butterfield, a recognized Zodiac Killer expert, of course, who served as a consultant for news articles, television documentaries, and director David Fincher's major motion picture, Zodiac. Dr. R.J. Parker, author of 25 true crime books, expert in serial murder and criminal profiling, and Dr. Bill Kimberlin, a professor of psychology, recognized death penalty and death row expert. So we need to talk to these guys. They sound amazing. And they publish a lot of articles within True Crime Mag. If you are interested in getting a copy with our 40% off discount, please go to www.thecrimemag.com and get your subscription today. You ready? We ready to kick it off for you. <laughs> kick it off one time. All right, everybody, we are back with your favorite. Your boy, Manny Ash. And your girl, Lisa. I need a better name, so I'm going to call myself Lee. <laughs> Lee's better. Lise. I call Lise you Lise. or Lee? I call you Lise. Let's take a vote. Lise. Like L E E S, or would it be L I S? Lis. L I S. Lise. Phonetically, it's L E E S. Regardless, your girl Lise and your boy Maddie Ice. We're back bringing you the I for an I. Case of your dreams. Just kidding. This is of your nightmares. Um, it's really interesting. Ah uh, ah. Uh. This case is interesting, actually. Well, all of them are quite interesting. That's why we have this podcast. Um. But it is interesting because it's one that you'll see on Deadly Women, Snapped, Forensic Files, all the good, best shows in the world to watch if you're a true crime fan like me, and the ones that give my dad slight pause when he looks at our DVR. <laughs> so this... Um, and the rest of us. Too. Yeah. So just a warning, as always, this case is brutal. Interesting based on, you know, who committed it. And I'm, I'm interested to see your guys' thoughts if you think the punishment fits the crime. So... If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to our show. Whatever. We really, we really appreciate it. It does do a lot for our show. And if you <laughs> want to support us in our endeavors and hopefully help us hire a writer one day and maybe even an editor, you can go to our Patreon and get ad-free episodes as well as some goodies for as little as a dollar a month. Yep. <laughs> so let's get into it. This case, Matt, is on Erica... Elaine Seyfried. 
It's almost like Siegfried. Like Siegfried and Roy. But it's not. But it's not. They don't own tigers and they're not as cool. No. Not at all. So, let's kick it off with a little bit of background info. There wasn't a lot. I actually tried to find more. Couldn't really find a lot on them. I guess they are pieces of trash anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But I do like to give some background when possible. Trash is always the similar story, but we'll just continue on that note. Yeah, right. So Erica Elaine Grace was born in Roaring Spring, Pennsylvania to Charlotte Gale, nicknamed Cookie. Cookie! And Gerald Mitchell Grace. Jerry. <laughs> I would love the nickname Cookie. Let's call me Cookie instead of Lise. But Lise is my name. Whatever. What well, are you talking about? My nicknames. You don't just make up your own. I know, but no one ever nicknames me fun things. Chef Boyardee is a great nickname. I know, right? That's my Twitter handle. Follow me, even though I never tweet anymore on there because I'm on iFryPod. So follow us there because I'm always tweeting. Boot up. So Benjamin Adam Seifert, nicknamed BJ, was born in Esterville, Iowa to Elizabeth Ann Buffy and Craig. Well, they called her Buffy. Elizabeth Ann was nicknamed Buffy and Craig Arthur Seifert. So Benjamin BJ was born to Buffy and Craig. Now, let's talk about Erica some more. She was an honor student and a basketball star at Mary Washington College. So she was playing b-ball. She was impressing her parents. Really, really good kid from all I could see. There's, Like I said, there's not much I could find on them, but she seemed to be a good student, nothing out of the ordinary, star basketball player, really making her parents proud. Now, if you ask Erica what she was like, she would describe herself as a material girl who came from a wealthy family. So she was like the rich, wealthy girl from your town, played basketball, started the basketball team, kind of like kind of annoying, you know? She was like one girl, everything. Wealthy and a star. Now, she considered herself to be exotic because she raised snakes and crocodiles with her family. And she used cocaine and ecstasy five days a week, according to her. So she wasn't as good as we thought she was from the outside. But I feel like that's pretty typical. You know, like back in the day with the popular kids, they ended up being the ones that were like undercover, kind of seedy. Yep. But outwardly seemed to have it all put together. Yep. So she liked the parties, what it seems like. She used cocaine and ecstasy. And getting into BJ, now he was a bit different. He was plucked from the different side of the of the aisle mm-hmm. of the vine. Now he was a former Navy SEAL who had received a bad conduct discharge from the Navy and repeatedly was uh, for repeatedly being absent without leave, insubordination, and wearing unauthorized insignia. So he kept getting in trouble with the Navy. He was always absent, and he was just not not following the rules. Now, Erica Grace and Benjamin Seyfried married in 1998 when they were both 20 years old. So a young marriage, and statistically, I think, I mean, I guess back in the, it's not back in the day we were alive. Yeah. If we were alive, it's not, <laughs> if we were alive, it's not back in the day. Um, no, I'm just kidding. So in 1998, they were both 20 years old and they got married. So that was a bit young, um, kind of a naive marriage. It seems that they met, kind of got right into it. Could have been because he was in the Navy, because I know a lot of military families get married kind of quick, uh, by, you know, today's standards at least quick, because that's how she can live on base. Mm. So I think that could have been part of it as well. Is Sarah trying to get in on this conversation? No, but she wanted to. (laughs) 
So shortly after marrying, they moved near Erica's hometown of Altoona, Pennsylvania. Shout out. My cousins are from Altoona. Gang, gang. Yeah, it's only like two and a half hours away from here. Not even. I've driven past there many times on my way to State College. It's only about an hour and 40. Oh, I'm a slow driver, man. Sorry, not everyone can be a race car driver like you. You're slow as shit, man. It's not but so fault. they were from around here. They just kind of like a hometown, a hometown situation. And there they oper- opened and operated a scrapbook store. I'd be curious to see if my aunt and uncles knew of this store because they were there. You should ask. I should. That would have been interesting. I didn't even think about it. Now in May, because everything happens in May, everything horrible happens in May. Always. Always. Always birth month. Always. I'm telling you, is that not something that's always brought up in every single one of these episodes? It is a similar fact. Isn't that I, weird? I, I won't lie. It happens Springtime gets people going a little crazy. Little, it really does. A little while. It gets, it gets people's angry juice. It's Taurus, man. Why are y'all so pissed, man? Life ain't bad. It's warm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, in May 2002, Erica... Erica. Erica. <laughs> Erica and Ben took a much-needed vacation from their scrapbooking store to Ocean City, Maryland. OCMD, shout out. Which is where I just came from, vacation, which is why we're on a bit of hiatus. In May. I was there in May. No, I wasn't. I was there in June. You were there in June. Was it June? Yeah. Yeah, I was there in June. So shout out. Ooh. Now, while I'm on a transit bus, headed to the popular Secrets Nightclub, which I just was at for the first time. It's really big. It's, it's really, really big and it's really lit. But on the bus there, uh, they met another couple, Josh Ford and Martha, in quotes. Jeannie. <laughs> Martha Jeannie Crutchley. Hey, Jeannie. Right. So Martha, Jeannie, I mean, Jeannie and Josh were on the bus hanging out. Starting convos with this nice-looking couple, Erica and Ben, thought they were normal, thought that everything was Gucci. So they were like, oh, this is great. We met a new, like, a new friends. Cool. Cool. Yeah, just not weird. So so just like Matt and I would do, we'd invite them out drinking and dancing. We were going to the same place. Why not hang out? Let's get lit. Let's get lit. So they decided to go back to the Seafreeds after a night of dancing, partying, drinking, Matt getting down on the dance floor. He mm. knows what it's like. You know how it is. And the Seafreeds had a penthouse condo for, uh... Where they hosted an after party. So, I would have gone. I would have gone. Right? I would have been the host. Penthouse, right? Like, you would have been like, hell yes, I'm going to the penthouse party after this yeah. giant-ass club. Yep. So, they decided to go back there. Now, their condo was located uh, in the Atlantis on the 103rd Street. So, that was where their condo was located. If you're familiar with Ocean City, that's where they stayed in the penthouse. It was about 130-some blocks or something like that. So Yeah. <laughs> So, according to the reports, back at the condo is where trouble began, Matt. That's one way to put it, Lisa. It's also right? something to say that the Sahara Desert gets humid and hot around these times. Or not humid. It gets hot around this time of year is what I meant to say. <laughs> That's an understatement is what I was getting at. <laughs> yes. So, according to the Seafreeds, they claimed that Ford and Crutchley stole Erica's purse, which prompted Ben to act all macho and pull out a gun on the couple. So they're in their condo, and out of nowhere, this couple looks at Jeannie and Josh and goes, yo, you took my wife's purse. That's uh, a little weird. No, bitch. <laughs> it's precisely how they reacted. Um, they probably, they well, first of all, they had a gun in their face, so they were 
they were pretty scared because that means business. You never mess around with guns. And it's kind of random for out of nowhere for someone to be like, you stole my wife's purse in our condo that we're still physically in. Right. And you're sitting here drinking with us. You stole my wife's purse. I'm going to shoot you in the face. Yeah, like, well, where's her purse? Yeah, right? I'd be like, it's probably in our bedroom. We're sitting right here. What are you like? What are you talking about? I'd be like, look, dude, I don't have it. Yeah. You see? Right? <laughs> yeah, you could see me. Like, where would I put it? <laughs> what did I do? Hide where's it in purse? your own bathroom. That's what I mean. Like, where's the purse? If <laughs> I stole it, what did I do with it? Like, I'm not that slick, man. Right? So, of course, because the gun was pulled on them, they immediately got up and ran to the bathroom. And, unfortunately, Josh was shot four times with Erica Seafried's gun and killed. So, they weren't messing around, man. They immediately pulled out this gun shot Josh. Now, Crutchley was also killed, and investigators believe that she was stabbed, but the official cause of death could not be determined from her remains. So they fucked her body up. Yeah. So, from what we know from this beginning part, they were accused of stealing a purse. Josh was shot pretty instantly. They pulled out a gun, they ran into the bathroom, instantly shot, and then they got Crutchley as well. So Jeannie was also, unfortunately, uh, murdered. Now, the bodies were then dismembered and disposed of in a grocery store dumpster in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Jesus. So they drove a bit with the bodies in their car, drove to Delaware, disposed of the bodies. The remains were later transferred to a nearby landfill where they were recovered by searchers nine days later. Matt, yes. can you reconstruct the scene from us uh, from what the police reported? So this is precisely what happened. Absolutely. From what the police later reconstructed. Ford and Crutchley were on a local bus heading to the Secrets nightclub on the evening of May 25th when they encountered the Seafreeds, who didn't have exact change for the fare. Ford graciously offered to pay for their tickets, and the two couples soon ended up at the club together, drinking until late that night. In initial statements to the police, Erica described what allegedly happened next. She said that an incident had taken place in the condo and that Ford and Crutchley had taken refuge in the bathroom but that Benjamin had kicked in the door and shot both of them. He had then dismembered the bodies, which the couple threw in a dumpster in nearby Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. As for a supposed motive, Erica spoke cryptically about Ford and Crutchley having tried to steal her purse containing her grandmother's $10,000 ring. And now, a word from our sponsors. Alright, so we're back. So that is what police believe happened. Matt, tell me how these two got arrested. Please tell me how they got arrested. This is... Well, it sounds a little fishy from the get-go, obviously. Due to the fact that this couple may or may not have been some of the most unintelligent people in the history of criminality. They decided that it would be a great idea for them to rob a hooter six days after they murdered Josh and Jeannie. At all places on the planet to well, rob. Well, they needed some wings and wanted to see some titties <laughs> while they were robbing a place. Are there hooters still open? Like, do those get shut down? I actually think there is still one in No, there's, there's still hooters. Yeah. They shut the one down by us. Yeah, the one that was right by uh, Edgewood Town Center. Um, for those of you who know that is, shout out. Police were called to a scene at the local Hooters that looked like it was straight out of a comedy show. They were packing their Jeep Cherokee with armloads of Hooters merchandise. <laughs> Baseball hats, golf shirts, 
Follow me to Hooters license plate holders. Like, do you think there's a black market for Hooters merchandise? I guess. <laughs> I mean, if there's a normal market for it, I guess. Like, I'd be like, hey, bro, give me two bucks. I'll get you this license plate. And be like, right? Oh, like, okay. what the hell? Good for you guys, but it didn't work, obviously. <laughs> so they were caught mid-robbery and arrested on May 31st, 2002. So everything really does happen in May. Like, swear, after May, everything kind of cools down. I swear, it's so... I'm going to start tallying, like, keep an, May. Keep an eye on it, because I'm curious. When police searched Erica Seyfried's purse, they uncovered the driver's licenses of Joshua Ford and Martha Crutchley, who at that point had been reported missing for days, and some shell casings from the gun. So, Erica confessed to murdering the couple shortly after being apprehended, but claimed that the idea was her husband's. Of course. Of course. So, Erica Seyfried then made some even more shocking statements to the Secret Service. After accusing her husband of murder, she then portrayed him as a racist, a bigot, and a control freak who was mentally and physically abusive. According to court documents, the only compliment she ever received was that she was a cool wife for going to strip clubs with him. <laughs> so, Sorry, that's just like a bizarre compliment. Well, um, cool. Not exactly how I would lead off the date. Um... You know, date night's a little different for these guys. <laughs> Hooters and murder. Hooters, murder, and the strip club afterwards. But hey, uh, the only gift he ever bought her, this is actually, it's not good it's the only thing he ever bought her, but it's an effective, you know, purchase, was a three fifty seven handgun that she never fired. Uh, for those of you that don't know, a three fifty seven Magnum is one of the most powerful handguns on the market. I did not know that. That would knock you on your fucking ass, Lisa. Really? Put it that way, yeah. Wouldn't any gun knock me on my ass, though? No, but that would. <laughs> well, shit. I mean, if you shot it, not if you got shot by it. Oh, like shooting it knocks you back. It's got a lot of recoil. Okay. That fucker will knock you back a couple paces. Damn. Um, it's a very powerful handgun. Anyways. So, why he bought that for her... I'm a bit confused. Because he has a sadistic, weird mind, I guess. Yeah, he's a bit of a psycho, this one. I mean, not saying that if you purchase a gun for your significant other, that makes you a psycho. But in this case, if he's controlling and says she's only cool because she goes to strip clubs with her and then presents her with a gun. I don't think he did it to be like, yeah, you know, like, like hey, that. this is for your protection yeah. and to be nice to you. Like, I, I think, think he, he was like, hey, I know you're about to pop off sometime. Here's a gun. So or he was he like. effectively murder somebody. He was like. <laughs> Shit, man, I just killed somebody with this gun. What am I about to... I'll give it to her. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just saying, that could have happened. Um, so, Erica claimed that one of the more sinister things that Ben had done came when he asked her to get pregnant for him a year after they got married. So that's kind of normal. I mean, you know... That's not abnormal, your... okay? Yeah. That's not the abnormal part. Oh, gosh. I mean, she actually even said... She kind of wanted kids and to begin a family and get, you know, started on that early. Uh, but after four months of being pregnant, she recalled her husband changing his mind just kind of on a whim and ordering her to get an abortion or I'm going to dig it out of you. Ew. Ew is indeed correct. Ew. And... You're an awful fucking human being for even thinking of that. Right? Right? Like, 
No wonder this was the worst thing he's like she said she said he's ever done. And this is even the worst part about it because if this is true, it's even more fucked up. She alleged that he said, "I never wanted a kid. I just wanted to see how far you would go for me." Okay, that is so fucked up, man. I mean, I hope that's not true. I believe it. But I believe it. I mean, there's a lot of sick pups out there. Um, she also told them that they kind of had a Bonnie and Clyde relationship going and that that was, like, sort of their thrill was, you know, them doing awful things. Like and then, robbing hooters. Yeah, and killing people and, like, you know, going out to nightclubs and fucking people over. Um, which is just crazy. I mean, damn. Um, so... That she ended up detailing for them numerous burglaries and how they'd stolen merchandise and things on the internet, including bidding sites on eBay they had stolen from. How do you steal from eBay? I'm wondering that, too. Uh, just make fa- false payments and like, write write a bad check and send that? Or... Yeah. And they sold stolen stuff on eBay as well, so they were just wheeling and dealing. Life, life of crime, Bonnie and Clyde. No, 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 no. Life in the fast lane. Um, so Erica Seafried then claimed that she and Benjamin planned a two-week burglary streak, uh, just a crime spree throughout Ocean City during Memorial Day weekend in 2002. That was their ultimate goal, was like to just have like this long murder spree. Um, so... At one point, she even recalled how they murdered the couple. How they murdered this couple they met at Secrets, Jeannie and Josh, and said to them, Get naked. And then asked them, Do you want to die? So they're sadistic shitheads. Yeah. That's really what it boils down to. Pretty much. They're just like pieces of trash. Yeah. Oh, God. What a horrible fucking... Um, so three days later, Erica Seafried even said that Benjamin got a, told her to get a tattoo of a snake in the same location where she cut Crutchley, prompting only the second compliment that Benjamin Seafried ever gave her. Um, she literally got a tattoo where she stabbed a woman. Oh, that's what I mean, like... To commemorate the stabbing. Yeah, of a snake, like... She told investigators that she ordered her husband to shoot the couple, who at that time had locked themselves in the bathroom. And she said, I knew he wanted to kill someone because he asked me two weeks ago if he, would, if he could kill my family. This is just fucked up from start to finish, to Yeah, be I'm like, what the fuck? Right? Er- and Erica said her husband wanted to kill her parents. And both sets of her grandparents and a wealthy aunt, like, had implied that, like, he was going to actually mass murder her entire family. Do you think she, like, did this out of, like, he he needs to kill someone because he's, like, talking very clearly about murdering my whole family that, like, I'm going to find him someone else to kill? I guess. That's what it's kind of sounding like. she's, like, pinning it as, I guess. I, I, yes. Is that fair to say? Yeah. That's... The day you have a significant other that talks about killing anybody, ever. Dip the fuck out of that relationship right? pretty damn Like, quick. bye. What the... What are you doing? Yeah, that's bullshit, man. I don't know what the hell's going on. So, Erica 
like Matt said, alleged that her husband wanted to kill pretty much her whole family. And the reason being is because she would be the sole heir to their money. And his plan was they would then meet in Argentina and live out their wealthy lifestyle. Uh, like Matt and I have kind of speculated, we kind of think that, I don't know how true that is, but we think that Erica alleges this because she wanted to seem like she chose this couple for him to kill so he wouldn't hurt her family. So almost in a sick, like, take these people instead, don't touch my family type of way. That's what it sounds like. I mean, she like she had no choice, but at the same time, if she wasn't that, then she's a conniving, crazy, psycho bitch even, who came I don't know, up with like, this. Even if she was that, though, like, she picked two innocent people right. to get murdered so her family wouldn't be murdered. Like, okay, I get it. Maybe that was, like, a soft spot in her colds at heart. However, picking two people at random who had whole life ahead of them Jesus. to murder in cold blood just because your husband's a psychopath doesn't make sense either. Yeah, I don't get that. And I then, mean, and then... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the court papers indicated that the Seafreeds went back to secrets where they socialized with their victims to buy a tank top as another reminder of their murder. So they're taking souvenirs. So that's pretty fucked up. Definitely. Very strange. Very strange. Because of the heavy publicity of the case, the Seafreeds' trials were moved out of Worcester County, Maryland. Benjamin's trial was held in Rockville, Maryland. Shout out Rockville. And Erica's was held in Frederick. And there's Frederick, too. God, shout out both. Right. Benjamin Seafried was the first to go to trial in March 2003. And at trial, a 22-year-old woman named Melissa Sealings testified that she had almost become the Seafried's next victim. This is a true story. On the stand, she told jurors that she was subjected to the same ritual that Joshua and Martha had endured, although she was able to avoid being killed. She testified that she and a male friend had met up with the Seafreets in Ocean City three days after the murders and had also been invited up to the couple's penthouse. There, Erica had suddenly announced that her purse and the ring were missing and thus the deadly game began again. That's so fucking creepy. It's so weird. This is their play. It's like... It's weird. It's just weird. I mean, it, it, it honestly, like, it kind of... It would it's work. Like a code word. Yeah, it's like so bizarre. It's like yeah. she brings that up and that's when everything goes. Like that's the trigger. Is like, does she decide then? That's what I'm wondering. Is like she decides when someone dies. So I also don't feel like, you know, you could have decided not to do that. Right. Um, although I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. Ceiling had suddenly felt a rising sense of alarm, especially after Benjamin pulled out a gun, put his face up to hers, and said how very, very important was that I find this purse. Uh, so apprehensively, Ceiling had intensified her search, but when Benjamin soon found the purse tucked between a cushion where she had already looked, she realized that the whole thing had been nothing but a bizarre mind game. They That's were kind messing of interesting, with them. though, because why didn't they kill them then, though? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, if that's the case, yeah, why wasn't she shot right then and there? It's curious. Very. Um, but anyways, so after that testimony, as well as probably the physical evidence that they had, if he still had the gun and still had all the same implications that were before, he was found guilty on April 9th, 2003 of second-degree murder and first-degree assault and the death of Martha Crutchley 
and was actually acquitted on all charges in the death of Joshua Ford. Mm, interesting. Part of the problem for prosecutors at both trials was that they couldn't say for sure who had fired the shots. Yeah, they, they, they couldn't figure out who fired the shot that killed Ford. Right. So right. they had no idea. How, like, I don't understand. I don't know. I guess they didn't have enough evidence, maybe? I guess. I don't know. I'm not sure. But that was why he was acquitted, because they couldn't figure out if he was the one who pulled the trigger or not. I guess it called for speculation, but... Which is interesting. Because it was said that, like, in the testimony, in her testimony, at least, it was said that he fired the shots into him first. So Mm -hmm. Josh was the first one to die. But at his trial, Benjamin tried to put almost all the blame on Erica. Go figure, they kind of did this blame game thing. Because, of course, when you're in trouble with the law, you don't want to you want to throw anyone else under the bus but yourself. Right. And he he maintained that he was sleeping in the car when the murders took place, and that upon seeing the horrific scene, he only agreed to help cover up the crime. He said, quote, I dismembered them. That was my idea. End quote. He was later sentenced to 38 years in prison on July 7th, 2003. He would be 64 years old when he's eligible for uh, release. Now, let's get into Erica's trial. Now, her trial started June 3rd, 2003, and prosecutors had ruled out the death penalty or life sentence without the possibility of parole as part of an agreement within days of her arrest in Ocean City. They, They caught the deal with her because they wanted her to show them where the bodies were. So, that's what she had to do, and that's what she led them to. She led them to their bodies, which were dismembered and disposed of in plastic bags in that landfill. They were moved from a dumpster to a landfill, and that is subsequently where they were found. Now, the jury deliberated for just over four hours before pronouncing Seafreet guilty. Erica, who wept frequently, she cried frequently throughout the trial, was dry-eyed as the sentence was handed down. Cold-hearted bitch. Mm. On June 11th, she was convicted of first-degree murder in the death of Joshua Ford and second-degree murder in the death of Martha uh, Martha Crutchley. She was sentenced to 20 to life plus 25 years on August 14th, 2003. So she was sentenced to life plus 25 years on August 14th, 2003. So even with her cooperation, they still sentenced her to life in prison. Which is wild. Now, in the aftermath here, March 2010, Benjamin Seafried filed for divorce, which was granted in August 2010, and both Seafreeds have filed numerous appeals, all of which have failed. Now, Erica was trying to get a new trial based on claims that her attorney had provided ineffective defense, mainly because he didn't give jurors details about her medical conditions. So she was saying that she had borderline personality disorder. She was pissed because her defense didn't bring up that she had mental health issues, including but not limited to borderline personality disorder and, and a few other, you know, mental health issues that would make her incapable of making her own decisions and choices. Additional examples of Erica exercising control in the relationship are found in her own statement to detectives. She said that she refused to take BJ's pictures holding the heads of the dismembered bodies, refused to cook and eat a leg after the murders, and refused to help him put the bodies in the dumpster, refused to help him move a bag with the torso, and refused to look at the dead bodies when he called to her after the murders. So this was the defense's, or the prosecution's way of saying that she was in control. She decided what happened, what didn't happen. 
She also ordered him to clean up the blood, continued to take photographs in the days following the murders, and refused to help BJ kill her family and, abs- and, and get away with their money. So she, they were saying she was in control. What she said went. She said, no, I'm not eating them, because I guess he decided that we've already killed them. Why not? Let's try a little piece. She said, hell no. She said, you're going to clean up that fucking blood. You got it everywhere. It's your job to clean it up. We're not dealing. I'm not taking photographs of you holding the heads like a juvenile piece of shit that you are. So clearly, she had control over him. And that's what the prosecution was saying, because the defense was trying to say that, of course, that it was all BJ's fault. And obviously, they're saying that she was... Aware and yep. in state of mind that she could say what was not only what was going on but give orders and was like the controlling factor in this. So, and the judge therefore also agreed to that. Um, yeah, and and by her own report, her use of alcohol and Xanax didn't make her impaired. She she let them know all of this. She said, "I you know I wasn't impaired," and then she backtracked right. and tried to def- like blame her defense for not bringing up that she had these issues that possibly could impair her judgment. But she seemed very clear-headed to me. Yeah, I mean, she seemed to know what was going on to the point where she could play along with this role of, where's my purse? Right? You know, she at least knew what was happening to that point, and then... It seemed like she picked the people. Right, yeah. And she's got to play along from the get-go. She can't be sitting there acting all weird. Yeah. While he's, like, real, like, oh, yeah, you guys are great. You should come back and hang out with us. Right? So she clearly played a part. Literally. In gaining these people's trust, making it seem like a fun time. Yes. She's gross. Now, Benjamin Seyfried exhausted his last appeal in 2010, so he was denied, and he will be eligible for parole again in 2021, while Erica will be eligible eligible for parole again in 2024. Mm-hmm. Now, Detective Burnell has vowed to make sure that Benjamin serves every last day of what could be a 35-year term, like we said, he'd be in his 60s when he gets out, saying, quote, I'll be at every parole hearing even if I'm retired, and I'll make sure to bring the autopsy pictures to remind them of what he's done, end quote. All right, so what do we think about this? So first of all, Matt, I'm curious to think, I mean, based on the evidence that we have with little research that there, you know, is available to us what who do you think was the aggressor do you think it was her do you think it was him or do you think it was a bonnie and clyde joint i I, that's that's more what i'm inclined to say that it was kind of a mutual they both wanted to do something reckless to feel powerful powerful to feel dominance over someone Mm -hmm. and i think at that point they kind of both just played off of one another and therefore i think they both deserved the life sentence um don't you think it's interesting, though, that he got 35 yeah. years and she got life plus 25 years? Yeah. I so they, it seems odd. like the jury and the prosecution team thought that she was the aggressor, thought it was all kind of her plan. Right. Because they handed her the book. They gave her, yeah. Okay. Which is really interesting. And I also think it's interesting that Josh was acquitted. I mean, BJ was acquitted on Josh's murder, but got second-degree murder on genies and then she got second degree murder on genies but was charged first degree murder on josh yeah so it's interesting that they found evidence to convict her as if she had planned to kill him and then kind of acted on impulse to kill her right because i know that's not like passion killing but isn't second degree murder like you didn't really plan to kill them but you you killed them anyway it happened off of like yeah exactly and it's kind of interesting that it didn't really say anything about the burglaries. 
You know what I mean? Because I'm sure that would make it a felony, wouldn't it? A felony murder? Yeah. I guess would. murder is a felony no matter what, right? Well, no, felony murder is committing a felony while also committing a murder. Because that's what they said. Well, they like, said that, well, no, I guess they said that the couple was trying to rob them. Yes. But it's just interesting. So do you think the punishment fits the crime? Let's talk about BJ first. Do you think 35 years is appropriate for dismembering and wanting to eat, apparently, and allegedly wanting to take pictures with the heads of deceased victims? I and think, wanting to kill someone's entire family, according, if that's true. I think they both deserve the same sentence. Yeah. And that it should have been life in prison. But, yeah. I mean, I also think that they both got a fairly reasonable sentence. I mean, it's not like that was, like, over the top. Yeah. Or it wasn't, like, too short. Yeah. It was just... So it wasn't, like, a horrible sentence, but it, you would have sh- that he would have gotten the same sentence as her. Yes. I wonder, I I agree, I think an eye for an eye wasn't exactly meant, but it was meant almost enough. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't get off. Yes. Which is good, because we see that a lot of the times in these cases where it's like, what happened? Like, how did they get completely off? They just murdered someone cold blood. Right. I do think it's interesting that they didn't kill the other couple. I'm still curious kind of how that played out, but apparently, you know, they let that, that couple live. So it is kind of interesting, and it sounds like there was kind of like a feed off of one another, because it makes me think of like the but for, like but for knowing him, right. would she have done this, or but for knowing her, would he have done this? Right, exactly. So it was kind of like having two, like... And, and who, like, that's what I mean, like, who do you place blame on more so, because... They both kind of pointed the finger at each yeah, other. Yeah, they both pointed the finger at each other, and they both allegedly killed someone different. I mean, like, they know he killed, or they know he, wait. She killed Josh. She killed, yes. They know she killed Josh. They know, and they're pretty sure he killed Jeannie. Why didn't they both just get life sentences, is my question. That's what I don't understand. Like, 35 years is such a random sentence. Like, I don't, I just feel like that's so bizarre. Like, that doesn't, meanwhile, she got life plus 25 years. Yeah. So it's like she got hammered. Right? Do you think the parole hearings will ever go through? I mean, I haven't seen any reports saying that they're, like, not good prisoners or anything like that. Do you think that they have a chance of getting out? No. Based on what this... Also based on what this uh, detective is saying. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I guess we agree, Matt. I think we don't necessarily think sentence-wise that I for an I was met. (laughs) However... Bless you. However, we don't think it fell short either. We think I think they both got a reasonable sentence. I don't think they were, you know, they're not getting off easy. Yeah, yeah. Thing she got kind of over overhandedly dealted, but I also believe that when you murder someone and then you dismember the body and then you try and cover it up and you take pictures with, I mean, all these awful things. It's just more mitigating factors as to why you should never. And then try to do it again. Yeah. Right. This wasn't like, a one-time deal. It is interesting to note, though, that she had immediately admitted it upon being captured in her Hooters heist. Right. So, I think that's interesting. But I do think that we believe at the... I mean, at the end of the day, I friend I kind of was met because the sentences aren't horrible. Right. They do make sense based on what the prosecution found, I would say. I would agree with that. 
So yeah, let us know what you guys think. Do you think who do you think was the aggressor? Do you think it was BJ being a controlling husband who wanted, you know, had the lust to kill and he just had his money on the other side of him willing to do whatever she could because she loved him? Do you think she was the aggressor and wore the pants in the relationship and picked out people for him to wipe out? What do you think it was a joint mm. effort? I'm curious to hear what you guys think. I'm curious to hear what you guys think about their sentencing. Was an eye friend I met for you guys? Do you think she got railroaded with her sentence life plus twenty five years? Do you think he got lesser of a sentence, or do you think his sentence makes sense, 35 years, when they seemingly committed the same crime together, you know, with one another in unison? So I'm really curious. Let us know. Um, go ahead, rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your fam. If you want to support our show, please check out our Patreon page. Or if you're tired of hearing ads throughout these episodes, go ahead and, you know, make a little, make a little $1 a month donation. It's three cents a day. And we would be eternally grateful. And also, remember to go check out our friends over at True Crime Mag. I for I pod. I for I gets you 40% off your first purchase with them. Woo! Check us out. Check them out. Hit the Patreon. And check out our Murderly Network. All the other oh, shows Oh, absolutely. On there. The great shows on there. All right, everybody. Have a great night. Bye. Erica develops an obsession with Hooters memorabilia. They both begin to break into Hooters all over the place. I always describe those two as like hypergolic rocket fuel. By themselves, they're no problem. But when you put them together, they explode. They just bang, they hit it off. One feeds the other's ego. And uh, as lovers, nonstop. Uh, as friends, they're inseparable. As drinking buddies, Wow, do, do they part drug buddies? Boy, do they start doing some serious drugs. And mainly, it's pills and cocaine. That's what their love is. She did have a jealous streak when it came to her husband, yes. Very, very possessive. They say, you know what? Why don't you come up to the condo with us? We'll continue this party after the bar closes. We got a hot tub, we got some weed, we'll have a couple of drinks, we'll get to know each other. True Crime Magazine, the queens of the scene. True Crime Magazine, Beanie Bean, Winnie Jeanie, Leanie, Leanie, Leanie. Ha, ha, ha.